0: Welcome to the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Vets. I am your host, Paul. I am evaluating what each team needs to improve for the next season. We are going worst to first based on last season's standings, and this week we are looking at teams 9 through 12. Team 9, the Carolina Panthers. The NFC South is wide open, and no team feels out of it, but no team feels like they are sold on going for it either. The Panthers felt like a team that was a play or two away from winning the division last year, despite firing another college coach whose eyes were much larger than their stomach. After firing Matt Rule, and trading Christian McCaffrey a few weeks later, the Panthers put together a spirited second half of the season under interim head coach Steve Wilkes, now defensive coordinator for San Francisco. However, most of the catalysts of that renaissance, P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold, Deontay Freeman, D.J. Moore have all moved on. In comes Frank Reich, fresh from a weird stint as Indy's head coach. Offensively, Carolina made things interesting and abundantly clear by trading with Chicago for the first overall pick in the draft. They gave up a lot of draft picks over the next two years as well as wide receiver DJ Moore, who really seemed to be coming into his own. The offense will be starting mostly new players at every skill position while bringing a rookie into the fold. They did sign Andy Dalton, but he knows his role, be another coach and teacher to whomever Carolina drafts. To help in that endeavor, they also signed Adam Thielen, who could have easily gone to a championship caliber team, but decided to languish with a bottom feeder. Adam will be an incredible veteran presence for whichever rookie quarterback Carolina drafts, but it feels like he made a financial decision here. I don't hate it, but I certainly don't give him any credit for it. If he wanted to do charity work, he could have gone to Chicago or the New York Giants. If he wanted a shot at a championship, Kansas City, Buffalo, or Baltimore. Same with Miles Sanders. He's a nice player for a team that needs them, but you can't help but feel that Carolina will also find a mid-to-late-round draft pick that will be a more effective runner than Sanders. These are great veteran players for Carolina, but Carolina is a questionable selection for these players. On defense, the defense wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. They need skill players at each level, but have largely left the defensive side of the ball untouched in free agency. There is youth here, but linebacker depth needs immediate attention. There were plenty of mid to post-prime defenders to focus on, and that still remains true. However, with a poor salary cap position, this side of the ball and the rest of the team will largely be filled with draft picks and rookie free agents. Team needs? QB? Tight end? Ball Hawks? A head coach? This draft should be good for tight ends, and Carolina is going to get their quarterback. So they will only have themselves to blame, specifically owner David Tepper, who has said he will be involved in the QB selection process. Frank Reich has to feel he can buy another year or two if the QB they draft is the wrong choice, but Frank Reich had a great situation in Indy and couldn't make it work. We'll see if the ownership and GM situation in Indy facilitated that situation, but at this moment, I don't see Frank Reich as a coach who has a long-term coaching career. Are we seeing a Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick here, or a Norv Turner or Dennis Allen? Projection for Carolina? They were 20th in offensive scoring and 19th in defensive scoring in 2022. Will Adam Thielen and DJ Chark be a cumulative positive to this offense? Will Miles Sanders provide the same production? And will a rookie quarterback win the this NFC South? If the Carolina defense can maintain their current level and if C.J. Stroud, yes, that's who I'm predicting Carolina will draft, can guide the offense and move from 20th to 15th, they can win the South. But what you're relying on is a rookie QB and a lame duck coach that isn't something I can rely on. I give Carolina a 20% chance of making the playoffs. Team 10, the New Orleans Saints. Derek Carr signed with the New Orleans Saints a week before free agency, then watched many of New Orleans' best defensive interior players sign elsewhere. Alvin Kamara is going through legal issues that could derail his career, and will the defense built by Sean Payton be able to maintain despite heavy departures? Offensively, I do like Derek Carr. He is a natural leader. In the course of two months, the Raiders had a player kill a woman and her dog in a DUI incident and fire their coach, and through it all, Carr provided leadership and direction. A far cry from the type of player Al Davis would have ever wanted on his team. Derek Carr cares about his teammates. However, there is a reason why a player like Carson Wentz keeps getting traded for and given opportunities. Leadership is a dime a dozen. Skill is a diamond in the rough. Teams believe they can build leadership. Most teams don't have the time to build skill in a leader. I do feel Carr accepted a lesser opportunity, even if the Saints are in a shit division, that should at least give Carr a better shot than facing Mahomes, Herbert, and Denver twice a year. Jamal Williams is a nice addition should Kamara miss time. And if they are in the field at the same time, this could be a potent running game. But I do feel Camara has passed his prime in relevance. On the defensive side of the ball, the Saints had one of the worst salary cap situations in the NFL, and where it was going to hurt them most was on defense, where they lost at least four starters to divisional opponents. Losing defensive players isn't a death stroke, but there is little on offense to give optimism. Team needs? Offensive skill players, defensive depth. Chris Olave had a great rookie year, but he will need help in multiple areas to build on a sophomore season. Carr had better skill players he was used to playing with and still was only an average quarterback with the Raiders. Projection. If the Saints can't have a great draft, they will only be marginally better than last season. They have a loser head coach with a quarterback who picked a loser team. There are too many defensive players who have moved to other teams to feel like this team is merely just treading water at this point. But this division is terrible. They have a 25% chance to make the playoffs. Team 11, the Tennessee Titans. The last few years, the Titans have benefited from being in the same division as Jacksonville, Houston, and Indianapolis. While Houston and Indy are still behind Tennessee, they aren't that far and Jacksonville looks like they should control this division for at least the next year. Poor roster building on the offensive side of the ball led to the downfall, at least from making the playoffs in 2022. On offense, you could argue Ryan Tannehill had a down year because the Titans traded away a top 10 wide receiver in A.J. Brown. However, his numbers began dropping in 21 when he had A.J., However, that being said, that year, Derrick Henry was struggling to stay healthy, and while that could contribute to diminishing numbers, for Tannehill, it doesn't look to be getting better. Derrick Henry has been run harder than any back in the NFL in the last 10 years. and Don't get me wrong, Henry's a big motherfucker, but in this day of the NFL of rotating players, it doesn't serve anyone to keep running a player out, play in and play out but despite having a great young player in A.J. Brown, they decided to trade him to get a potentially great young receiver in Traylon Burks. This is a fine move when you are rebuilding and are a few years away from competing, but this was a team still fighting for their spot in the AFC. While I have been critical of the Rams and their roster building, you can't claim they haven't been shooting for the moon. The Titans did the opposite. The player they should have traded if they wanted to maximize their standings, was Derrick Henry. But instead, they set themselves back five years because this time next year, they will still need a playmaking wide receiver and a quarterback and potentially another running back. They've made no moves to satisfy any of those positions either. Defensively, the Titans' defense is what kept them in the playoff contention up until the final week of the season. But defense isn't what get teams into the postseason. Despite that, I like the free agent signings on this side of the ball, which will help with depth and starters in the front seven. The defense will keep the Titans in most games as they will likely rely on run game and managing the clock to overcome poor quarterback play. Team Needs Quarterback, Offensive Skill Players Last year, the Titans drafted Malik Willis. The GM who drafted him has since been fired, which leads many to believe that Willis will not be a long-term prospect for this team, which doesn't help its immediate future as Ryan Tannehill also appears to be sliding into retirement. What would help Tannehill is competent playmakers. There are still some solid wide receivers available, but it remains to be seen if new GM Rand Carthon wants to build around this current offense or remake it. Projection? I'm not ready to count the Titans out. This could be a top-ten defense if it receives some help from the offense and is able to stay on the field. What they need is one final run from Tannehill and Henry, with Traylon Burks improving along with production from a free agent or rookie receiver. This is the best division to be in for a team in transition, so I'll give the Titans a 40% chance of making the playoffs, but they will have to win the division to do so. Team 12, the Cleveland Browns. Let me give you three numbers. Six, six, 18. That is, six general managers, six head coaches, and 18 different starting quarterbacks since Jimmy Haslam has taken over the Browns in 2012. 11 years of ownership that does not allow for anyone to grow, and worse, hiring, drafting, and trading for individuals who are not leaders and in some instances are terrible people. Cleveland's litany of coaches and QB precedes Haslam, yet it is in the decision-making and justification of individuals that has me concerned. I have made it abundantly clear how I feel about Deshaun Watson. However, it was Jimmy Haslam who agreed to trade for him, who agreed to give him a completely guaranteed contract, and who still stands behind Watson as a leader of men. Cleveland was averaging 24 points a game prior to Watson taking over as starter as opposed to the 16 points per game they scored when he was under center. Nick Chubb had 12 rushing touchdowns in his first 11 games, and zero once Watson became quarterback. It remains to be seen if Watson can truly have the full support of this locker room. On offense, as a team, the Browns passed for 3,700 yards and 19 touchdowns. This is close to what Jalen Hurts provided, however, Hertz also missed two games, and at no point did Jacoby Brissett or Deshaun Watson feel as dynamic as Jalen. This is a team that wants to run the football, and they do that very well with Nick Chubb, but they probably need to get younger and more depth at the position to take some of the load off Chubb. Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones were a nice receiving tandem, but the Browns aren't resting on those two and have already traded for a young wide receiver from the Jets in Elijah Moore. The 11 interceptions that Brissett and Watson combined for aren't terrible, but when you only have 19 touchdowns, it doesn't look great. Either the touchdowns need to go up or the interceptions need to come down. They'd love for both to happen, and there is potential of that occurring, as Watson had career lows in completion percentage and touchdown throw percentage, and this largely can be attributed to him missing almost two years because he's a giant piece of shit. On defense... The Browns were a weird team on defense, being 14th in the league in total yards given up, but being 20th in total points given up. They were stout pass defense, ranked 5th, but then they were ranked 25th against the run. This was a team that needed to get you to 3rd and long in order to get off the field. If they couldn't, they were going to give up yards on the ground. To help against the run, the Browns signed three defensive tackles, but aside from Dalvin Tomlinson, These are merely depth signings, and they should still look to the draft to build in that area. Team Needs They need a new owner. Jimmy Haslam is known for his charitable work, but has made terrible decisions in regard to how he runs this team. The NFL conducts a survey of teams filled out by the players. In areas the owner has a direct influence over—treatment of family, food and nutrition, weight room, locker room, and travel— the Browns were viewed in the bottom third of the league. So I'll ask, how will Deshaun Watson affect this locker room? A locker room that has already made pointed statements to how they are provided for and treated. Projection. On paper, this is a good team and should improve over last year's 7-10 and finish. Because they ended up fourth in their division, they will have the added benefit of playing other division's worst teams. And unfortunately, Like Michael Vick before him, players and fans will begin to forget Watson's transgressions. I will not forget. I do give the Browns a 50% chance of making the playoffs. Next week, I will be discussing the New York Jets, the New England Patriots, the Green Bay Packers, and the Washington Commanders. Have a great week.